Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Paul has been, been writing to Timothy several chapters in his first epistle, and now we've entered into the last chapter of his second epistle, chapter 4. And Paul knows something. He knows that he is coming to the end of his life. And therefore, he is imparting to Timothy a type of, of legacy. He is giving him a will, so to speak, of important things that he wants to leave and, and instill in the life of Timothy. So we're going to see much wisdom for living a God-centered life, a life centered upon the kingdom of God that we might be found faithful in that day of judgment. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to that section. 2 Timothy and chapter 4. Now, the first thing that, that I've said to you is this. Paul knows, and we'll see this in a moment, Paul knows that his time in this world is coming to an end. And he's not grieved about that. In fact, very similar to, to Moses, who prepares the people and the one who would take over for him, Yahshua, Joshua. In the same way, Paul is instilling biblical truth in Timothy, admonishing him of the things to do to make his ministry also effective. And my hope is this, that through the study of God's word, that our lives become more effective for the purposes of God. Well, let's begin. Look, if you would, to that fourth chapter and beginning in, in verse 1. First of all, Paul says, therefore, meaning based upon what he has said up until now, he says, therefore, I testify thoroughly. Now, some will say, I charge, but literally it's a word to testify, to bear witness. And there's a prefix attached to it, which gives this word a sense of entirety or thoroughly. So he is testifying thoroughly. And he says, I do so before God and the Lord Messiah Yeshua. So he's making these words, not just to Timothy, but to Timothy, but with the consciousness that he's speaking these things before God. He's testifying, bearing witness before the ruler. And who is this one, this Lord Yeshua? Well, notice what he says the one who is about to judge the living and the dead. Paul never loses sight that Messiah is judge. Now, this is, to me, one of the most important principles that we need to keep at the forefront of our mind as we make decisions, as we do the various things that we do. That he is judge, and he is going to judge me. Now, if you're a believer 
That judgment has nothing to do with where you're going to spend eternity. If you have received the gospel, if you have invited Messiah, the one who died in behalf of your sins and mine, the sins of the world, to be your Savior by faith, accepting his grace, then you can be assured, and I want to emphasize that, you can be assured that you're going to be in the kingdom of God. Because once you receive that gospel, the righteousness of God, and hear this, the very righteousness of God that was manifested through his son, Yeshua, is going to be impressed upon you. So when God sees you, he sees the reflection of the righteousness of his son, the very righteousness of God. So, of course, by that blessing, that free gift, that new condition that we are brought into, we can have assurance. Yes, a believer will be in the kingdom of God. But there's still a judgment, a judgment of rewards. What has my life meant? What have I accomplished? Have I lived effectively in this world for his purposes? And that's something that we should ask ourselves daily in an ongoing manner for every decision, every action that we're going to take. So he says here, I testify thoroughly before God and the Lord Messiah Yeshua. And this one, Yeshua, is the one he's speaking of who is about to judge the living, those who are still alive when he comes, and the dead, those who have already gone before him. And he'll do so, notice what he says, according to, this can mean at, at the manifestation, his manifestation and his kingdom. Now, what's important here is this. We see an inherent relationship between his appearing and the kingdom appearing. In fact, what's interesting is that there's only one word, this word appearing, that speaks to both Messiah's coming and the establishment of the kingdom. And what we're supposed to take away from this is that they are synonymous with one another. When Messiah comes to judge, now, we're not talking about our blessed hope. We're not speaking about the rapture. We're speaking here when Messiah comes to establish that kingdom. In essence, the second coming at the end of Daniel's 70th week. And Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 13 that we're going to be coming with him. The saints are coming with him. So what a glorious appearing it is for us to share in this event, Messiah's second coming. Then move on to, to verse 2. He says, in light of the fact that he's coming, his kingdom's going to be established, what are we going to be doing in light of that until we die or until we witness this event? Notice what he says. In the meantime, meaning in this body, while you are here in this world, what should, should one be doing? Well, what did Paul tell Timothy to be doing? Verse 2, he says, proclaim the word. Now, this is a word for, for preaching, not necessarily preaching as a leader would do before the congregation, but it's a word of proclaiming. It's a word of testifying, revealing, bearing witness to. So we're supposed to be people sharing the word. Now, 
You can understand this in two ways. The word meaning the gospel, but share biblical truth. You will never, ever regret. The word of God never comes back void. So whenever you share biblical truth, you are doing something that's good. Something that's going to have dividends paid back to you for eternity. So he says, proclaim the word, be ready. And then he has a word for season. At the good season and those times that are not so, so easy to share the word. Most Bibles say in season and out of season. Meaning at a timely time when things are, are ready for the word to be proclaimed. And even at those times when things aren't easy to share the word. Perhaps there's opposition. So in season and out of season, he says, preach the word. Now what else? He also says, convict. First thing that he says, convict. What does that mean? Bring an awareness to others of sin. The sin in their life, the sin of the world, meaning this. Show a distinction between that which is good and that which is evil. That which belongs to God and that which God rejects. That which God will bless and that which, which God will condemn, that he will curse. So he says the first thing, convict, rebuke, and then he says encourage. These three things. First of all, convict it. Speak it out that it is evil, that is wrong. And then rebuke. This is very different than the first one. The first one is placing an evaluation on something, an activity, whether this be appropriate or not, whether it be godly or ungodly. The second word, rebuke, is much more of a confrontational word to an individual, meaning rebuke that person. Sometimes, and Paul is saying to Timothy, you need to be willing to rebuke. Now, let me share with you. In my opinion, these two things are being ignored. Conviction and rebuking in the midst of sharing God's word. Remember the, the context. Preach the word. Always in season, out of season. And preaching the word involves conviction, rebuking. And then he says the third thing is encouraging. This is encouraging faithfulness, encouraging people in the way of the Lord. Too often, and we'll see what Paul is referring to in a moment, too often this encouragement is simply placating others, trying to get them to feel good about themselves, that they like what you're saying, so that they want to come back. This is not what a servant of God is about. We are not there to please those who are listening. We're there to please God, to be faithful to what he says. And remember these three things, convict, rebuke, and encourage. But again, encouragement in the right way to go, in the right things of God. He says to do these things, keep reading in the end of verse 2, in all patience, meaning this. You, if you are a servant of God, patience is a prerequisite. Why? You're going to meet much opposition. You're going to encounter many things that work against you. And you need that patience to endure, to continue on, to persevere. 
because there will be fruit, but that fruit usually does not come quickly. You need to persevere. That's why it says, in all patience and in all teaching, meaning doctrine. Do not think for a moment that you can be effective in serving God without the proper teaching. And notice what happens next. Look, if you would, to verse 3. He says, for will be a season. Now, the season, the context that he's speaking of here is the last days. And I believe that we are seeing exactly what Paul is warning Timothy concerning. We're seeing it in a very, very prevalent way in our generation. The entire verse, verse 3. For there will be a time, a season, when healthy teaching, or we could say sound teaching, they will not endure. They don't want healthy teaching, sound teaching, based upon the Word of God. They won't endure that. They won't tolerate that. That's what he's saying. But here's what is going to fill stadiums. This is going to make you popular. This is what many people are trying to do, and that is this. But according to one's own desires. So he's speaking now about the hearers. There's going to be those that will not endure sound teaching. What are they going to do? Based upon their own desires, they are going to, for themselves, heap up, gather up what? Teachers. So they're going to appear to be religious. They're going to be in what we can call congregations, local assemblies, churches, whatever you want to say. They're going to be there, but they won't endure sound, healthy teaching. The words of life, the words that bring conviction with rebuking and an encouragement to do the right thing, to do God's will. They're not going to be interested in that. And therefore, they're going to gather for themselves. That's literally what it says. They're going to gather for themselves. And this word for gathering can mean heaping up in abundance. They're going to have many teachers. But what do these teachers do? Well, keep reading. It says here that they are going to tickle or itch the ear, meaning this. They're going to want to hear something. Their ears are going to want to hear something that is, is comforting according to their own desires. Not the desires of God. And therefore, you need to ask yourself, what are you seeking in a biblical teacher? One that's going to say what you want to hear, what you agree with in the flesh according to your own desires, or are you seeking one who will at times convict you, rebuke you, and only encourage you in the right things, the will of God, the commandments of God, the truth of God? Well, we're in that time when more and more are compromising to a, a unhealthy presentation of the Word of God, which is not based upon truth. And they're simply wanting those who will speak according to their own desires, itching. And when you have an itch and that scratch, there's a comfort that comes to that. It, it, it feels good. 
Well, this is what they want. They are in bondage to their feelings. They want to feel a certain way. And when we set that as our desire, as our objective, the enemy, he can manipulate us and move us to where he wants us to be, doing what he wants us to be doing instead of being encouraged in the things of God. Look now to verse 4. He says, and from, and this is a word, a preposition that relates to a departure. This is what we're seeing in the scripture. They are departing from truth. They may have, have listened earlier. They may have, have embraced that, that teaching at one time, but there's going to be, as Paul says to the Thessalonians, there's going to be a falling away. There's going to be a time of apostasy. So he says, and from the hearing of truth. This is the problem. They don't want to hear the truth. So from the hearing of truth, they are going to turn away. And unto, instead of hearing the truth, the next conjunction is a conjunction of discontinuity. Instead of continuing hearing the truth, that's what it was. But they are going to depart from that. And they're going to turn to, notice this next word. It's a word, mythus, where we get the English word myths. Now, why is he using this? Well, these are ancient stories or current testimony that's based in just that myth. And those things, and usually a myth, it was something that, that encouraged someone, but not in the right way. It was a fairy tale that had a good ending, a, a happy ending that made us feel good, but it wasn't based upon reality. And here's what the enemy's doing. The enemy is moving in this world in falsehood, saying the things that make us feel good, that, that encourage us, but not in the right direction, but encourage us in our own desires the desires of the flesh and the world it is coming it's going to happen it's happening other places it's going to happen in in the west as well and that's this there's going to be among the world an intolerance an intolerance of truth they will not allow the truth to be heard they're going to see that that the truth because of this conviction this rebuking and encouraging people in the standards of God, this is going to become bigotry. It's going to be hate speech. It's going to be not what the world will tolerate. And those who speak it and live it out are going to be persecuted. What we're seeing today is this. We're seeing the world use a so-called pandemic for one purpose, and that is for others to gain control and to strip away freedoms and rights that if you live, for example, in America, that not only are these God-given rights, but the Constitution affirms these God-given rights to, to speak freely. That's going to be taken away unless you mimic the words and the positions of governmental authorities, 
you are going to be marginalized at first, ridiculed. You're going to be seen as the problem makers. You're going to be seen as someone who has to be dealt with. First of all, they'll see if you can be rehabilitated that you're willing to conform and to compromise and get on board with their plan. But if not, then they're going to come harshly against you. That's where the world's going. And what we need to do is to realize that, affirm that, and say, so what? I will stand faithful. I will be first in line to say no to this. And move forward with the Word of God. Move forward with the standards of God, encouraging people in that way. And if they, they say, I can't work, I'll starve to death. If they say that I have to go to jail, I'll be, be incarcerated. But what I will not do is compromise truth. That's why it says, look at this fourth verse again. It says, and from the hearing of truth, they will turn away. And they are going to embrace myths. This is what that they are going to turn. Literally, it says, instead of embracing, it says, they are going to turn their minds are going to be over to these myths, this false narrative that we're going to see that the ones who are proclaiming loudest is government leaders. Verse 5. What do we do in the midst of this? Well, Paul tells Timothy, verse 5. But, once more, in contrast to them, he says, But you be sober-minded in all, meaning all things. Doesn't matter what goes on in this world, you be sober-minded. You have the right perspective, a kingdom perspective, a perspective that comes from the Word of God. And you have that, he says, be sober-minded when? At all times, in all things. And then notice what he says. Now, this next, next word is a composite word. It has the word evil and the word for suffering. So he tells us, get ready. If you want to be a faithful servant of God, get ready to suffer evil. Now, what do we hear in a lot of places in some of the most popular congregations in the world, large ones, we hear that everything is going to be changed, that this world is going to be transformed by believers, that we are going to take leadership over all things prior to Messiah's second coming, falsehood. What does the Word of God say? Paul tells us, get ready to suffer evil things. That's what the Word of God, that's what the Spirit of God is proclaiming. Now, I don't have the gift of prophecy. I'm not a prophet. But what I will tell you is this, that this here is a prophetic word. It doesn't originate in me. It originates in the Scripture. I believe true prophets always base, in these modern times, always base their words in Scripture. A prophet today is that one who can say, this is a word for now. This is a word for you. It's not their words. It's a scripture that they point one to. And what it says, get ready to suffer evil. And in the midst of these evil times, what are we supposed to do? Well, Paul says to Timothy, 
he says, work do of an evangelist, meaning we would say, do the work of evangelists. What's that? Give the gospel. And give the gospel in a testimony, meaning this, a testimony of righteousness. I'm speaking about a testimony of behavior. Do not succumb to the thoughts, the character of this world, but give a testimony of that righteous kingdom of God as you share the gospel. And then he says, your ministry, meaning what you're called to do, he says, bring into completion. It's that word for carry, to bring something into its fullness. So we would simply say, complete your ministry. Do it to the fullest. Bring it about to the right end, the end that God would say, well done. Now, I mentioned earlier that Paul says something. Look on into verse, verse 6. Because here, Paul gives Timothy a clear indication that he knows, Paul knows, that things are coming to an end for him. What does he say? Verse 6. For I am already being poured out. Now, this is type of a libation, an offering. And what he's saying is, this, this life that God has given to me, this call, this ministry, it's coming to an end. I am being poured out. And the time of my departure, he says, is at hand. Now, it's interesting. Hopefully, you know that, that I like grammar. Now, when I speak English, I don't do too good with it. But, but when you look at the biblical text, grammar is so interesting. And it's so significant that when he says, the time of my departure, we would say, is at hand. But it's in the perfect. Now, what that means is, the time of my departure was, is, and will be. That makes no sense to us until you understand what he's saying. He's saying, I have lived in the past, I'm living now, and I will continue to live until this departure with that departure in my mind. Are you making decisions? For example, you may have 40 years left in this world. Are you living now knowing your departure is 40 years away, but are you living mindful of that? Meaning, living mindful of your departure from this world. You need to make decisions now, whether that departure is 40 years, 20 years, 10 years, or tomorrow. You need to be living with a consciousness that I'm going to leave here, leave this world. And where do we begin in verse one? He speaks about the appearing of the righteous judge. This one who is going to judge the living and the dead. This one who's going to establish his kingdom. So Paul is saying, my departure is at hand. We can't even translate it into English in a way that really conveys the, the grammatical clues of this word. But Paul is living and has been living and will continue to live with a, a strong understanding that one day he's leaving and he's going to, to go before the righteous judge. So he says, look again at verse 6. For already I am being poured out, and the time of my departure is at hand. Verse 7. 
He's saying, I know this about myself. And the implication is it's true for all of us. So what do we do in the meantime? Well, that's what he says in verse 7. The good fight, fight. And the race, complete. And this word means to complete fully. Bring it to the right destination. This race end in the right way. This is words of wisdom. Fight the good fight. Complete the race. Do it in an appropriate way, in a God-honoring way. This is what he's encouraging Timothy to do. And now, verse 8, our last verse. Now, in verse 8, he really returns to what he's already mentioned, what I said a moment ago. Look at verse 8. He says here, I have kept same perfect grammatical tense. I have kept, I am keeping, and I will continue to keep the faith, meaning this. The faith, and this word faith is related to truth, the truth of heaven. He's saying, I'm keeping that. I'm guarding that. I'm not going to make any compromises concerning the faith I have kept. And now, verse 8, excuse me, the last verse. He says in the word for the remaining things. Now, this is a word that lets us know that Paul is getting ready to conclude. By the way, next week, God willing, we'll finish this second epistle of Paul to Timothy. We're in the last chapter. And here in verse 8, we see that the conclusion, the summary of what Paul wants to say to Timothy is beginning now. He says, basically, we could say, finally, the remaining things, what left. He has to say he's beginning. He says, there has been laid for me, laid up for me, the crown of righteousness. Now that should be an encouragement. And that's why he's telling Timothy this. He says, I have kept the faith. Therefore, a crown of righteousness has been laid up for me, remains for me. This should excite us. This should be an instrument that, that causes endurance, perseverance, a tenacity for the things of God. Once more. At the end, he says, finally, a crown of righteousness has been laid up for me. And he says, whom the Lord will give to me. So it's the Lord who's going to give that, will give that to Paul. And he'll do so in that day. What day? The day that the righteous judge. So this crown of righteousness is going to be given to faithful believers, those who have kept the faith. It's going to be given by that righteous judge who is the Lord, Messiah, in that day. And then he says, he's encouraging all of us. Paul's not unique. He's not the only one that's going to get that, that righteous crown that's laid up for him on that day by the Lord. The Lord will give it to him. But he says, but not only me. This is not something unique only for the Apostle Paul. But he says, but also to all the ones, notice this, all the ones who have loved, pay attention. This word love in the Greek language there's several different words that mean and can be translated as love. But this is a sacrificial love. This love 
involves suffering for another. This love involves sacrifice. And there he says, this, this crown of righteousness, it's not just for me, but it's to all those who love. And notice how he concludes, who love his appearing, who loves the manifestation, willing to make sacrifices, endure sufferings for this wonderful manifestation, this appearing of him, meaning Messiah. So the question that we have to answer is this. Are you living with a continual consciousness concerning what's going to happen? There is indeed a day coming when Messiah is going to manifest himself. Manifest himself, his glory, and the glory of his kingdom. And the question that we need to answer now is this. Am I living in light of that? Is this a driving truth that permeates everything about me? If you want to be faithful, if you want that righteous crown, then you're going to be loving and willing to make sacrifices. That's what that love will cause you to do. Because you know he's coming and he's coming soon. Well, I'll close with that until next week. Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.